Good morning. Welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. And I'm happy each week to be able to be with you to share a message from God's Word. And hopefully you have benefited from our studies. Uh, if you are new to our program, we uh, certainly thank you for joining us today. And we would invite you to be with us anytime that you can. On Tuesdays at 11 a.m. is when our program is. And so we thank you for tuning in, and we hope that you'll listen again uh, anytime you have that opportunity. Our lesson for today continues a study that we have begun some weeks ago on the scriptural organization of the church. We are studying from a book called Why I Am a Member of the Church of Christ, written by Leroy Brownlow. And we are on reason number seven. Uh, we are also studying this book in our Wednesday night Bible classes at Mars Hill. And uh, we're up to about chapter 15, I think. Um, but uh, I thought this would be a good study for us. And so we have, have been going through these lessons. And uh, we've spent a great deal of time on reason number seven. Uh, but I am confident today that we are going to finish this lesson uh, finish these qualifications of elders, and we'll move on to reason number eight, Lord willing, next week. Before we get into our lesson for today, as we always do, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this day. We are thankful for the opportunity that you have given us to be able to, to study together, your word, and we pray, Father, that we would only uh, take into account those things that are pleasing to you, those things that are true to your word, and we pray, Father, that you would help us to, to remain on the straight and narrow. Help us not to veer from one direction to another, but help us to remain in your truth, and help us to be the Christians that you would have us to be. We pray, Father, that you would have help us to have an open mind and an open heart to those things that you are giving us. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to follow them, help us to be the churches that you want us to be, and again, the individual Christians that you would want us to be as well. And Father, we are thankful for your Son, for his sacrifice for our sins, for all that Jesus means to us. And it is through him that we humbly pray to you. Amen. As we begin our lesson for today, we're going to go back and reread the verses that we have been studying through, and then we'll go back and discuss them. I realize that it has been a couple of weeks since we've been in this study. Uh, last week, I was on vacation. We were in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and we were visiting my wife's grandparents and her aunt, and uh, so we were spending some time with them. And I thought about trying to do a lesson, but it turned out that we were, were not uh, where I was able to do that last week. And so uh, I'm glad to be back with you again today. We begin in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is not the only place in which the qualifications of elders are given to us. We also find them in Titus chapter 1, and uh, we have been going back a little bit 
to the wording of Titus 1. Uh, but for the most part, everything is, is, is very similar, uh, very much the same. Uh, there are a couple of details that are found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that are not found in Titus and vice versa. Uh, but for the most part, all of these qualifications are given in both places. And as we've been going through each of them, uh, I've given reference to where each is found. But primarily, we're following 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and the order that is found in that chapter. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, also known as an elder, uh, also referred to as overseer, um, but here the, the word bishop is used. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. As we are looking at these qualifications, we have looked at one who desires this office, one who desires the work of a bishop, the work of an elder. He desires a good work. And it would be very difficult for one who did not desire the work to continue in the work. Uh, I think those things go very well hand in hand, where, whether or not this is actually considered a qualification uh, doesn't matter necessarily. But one should desire the office. One should desire the work. And anyone that does desires a very good work. A, a bishop must be blameless, not perfect, but blameless. If he is accused of something, he is innocent for the most part. Now, there have been situations where elders are found guilty of some kind of crime against the church. But uh, as far as, as this is concerned, he is blameless. And if he does fall into some kind of temptation that causes him to, to not be in the good graces of the church, then he needs to be willing to repent. And there may be some, some more serious offenses, um, but for the most part, as long as he is willing to repent of any wrongdoing, uh, and, and he can be seen as blameless from that point on, then he is able to continue in the work. Uh, 
This speaks of the, the home life of an elder. He is to be the husband of one wife. And I think the best way that I've heard it put is that he is to be a one woman man. It means no more and no less than that, but that he be a one woman man. He must be temperate, sober minded, of good behavior, hospitable. Uh, those things speak to the behavior of an elder, to his life, to his attitude, to his temperament. Those things are to be in check at all times. He is to be kind and considerate toward all, and those things are important. He is to be able to teach. I know my father has mentioned uh, on multiple occasions throughout my life uh, the importance of my grandfather to him, um, the importance of my mother's father. Uh, whenever my, my father was beginning to date my mother, uh, he sat down with her father, and they talked about the Bible. And my dad realized that he was not uh, a Christian. He realized that he was a, a part of a denomination, a, a copy of a copy of other churches, uh, other belief systems that do not adhere completely to the Word of God. And because of the ability of my grandfather to teach him, he was able to understand, and he did become a Christian, and he has been a faithful Christian ever since, and a very good example for me in my own life. Um, but an elder, a leader in the church, needs to be able to teach. He needs to be able to teach the truth. He needs to know the truth, and all those things are very important. He is not given to wine. And there are, are again, some different things that, that go along with this. Uh, most commonly, when we look at other translations, and, and I think it's good to look at other translations. I know there are those that, that are King James only. But I think when we look at other translations, we have a better understanding of the meaning of a passage. And I think this is a good example of that. In the American Standard Version, the terminology that is used is that he is no brawler. In the New American Standard, it uses the wording not addicted to wine or pugnacious. And we, we've looked at those meanings. Uh, but basically, the idea that is presented from this passage, as I look at the New King James Version, and as I compare it to these other versions, uh, the idea that is presented is that he is not quarrelsome over a desire for wine, and not quarrelsome, period, but mostly in regard to, to wine, he is not addicted to it, he is not given to it in such a way as to be quarrelsome over it. Um, anyone that, that is addicted to this is certainly not qualified to serve as a leader in the church. But an elder cannot be given to wine. 
Now, does that mean that he is to completely abstain from any kind of use of alcohol? Now, that's the, the main question that is given in regard to not giving to wine. Uh, when we look at the qualifications of deacons, a little bit later on in this same chapter, we read that they are not to be given too much wine. And uh, again, the same attitude, the, the same meaning is really rendered in, in both situations. We do find that Timothy is told by Paul to use a little wine for his stomach's sake. And so to believe this to be complete abstinence, I think, would be taking it to a point where the authority of the scriptures does not take this. Uh, we, we have to be careful to stay within the authority of the scriptures and to hinder someone more so than the authority of the scriptures does is just as wrong as, as not adhering to the authority of the scriptures, to being more of a liberalistic nature, so to speak. But we need to be careful to stay within the authority of the scriptures. Now, I do not believe this to be teaching complete abstinence because I know that Timothy was told to use it for medicinal purposes or in a medicinal manner. He, he was not to use it for social drinking for social gatherings and, and things of that nature, but it was also something that he could use when it came to his frequent infirmities. We have alcohol that is used in medicines today, but I do believe that it would be um, uh, allowing too much to use it in a social setting. Even the example of an elder is very important to this aspect because his example, if he were to drink alcohol for whatever the reason may be, other than for the use of medicinal purposes, his example is not going to be what it should be. It's going to send the wrong message to those who may be enticed by the use of alcohol. He cannot be addicted to wine. Can he use it for medicinal purposes? Absolutely. But can he use it in a social setting? In uh, uh, maybe a dinner out with friends or, or something of that nature or, or even to be in a bar. You know, that would be something I think that is obviously uh, against God's will. We have to be careful to stay within the authority of the scriptures, but we have to make sure that we do not carry these too far as well. Uh, so making sure that, that, that we're not given to this is a good example for all Christians, but especially that of elders. He is not violent, and he is not greedy for money. And some of these kind of go hand in hand with one another, uh, again, this idea of covetousness is something that that he would avoid. And that's that's something that I think we get into a little bit later on. I think this is about the point where we stop. Um, but uh, again, his behavior in, in regard to the the world, 
but especially within the church. Uh, he is not greedy for money. He is not violent, and he does not allow his emotions and his attitudes to carry him beyond what is fitting for an elder. We see great danger in someone who is greedy in any way that is after the office for dishonest gain. He cannot serve as an elder, but he should be gentle. This is one of the positive attitudes, one of the the positive qualifications. He should be gentle. The King James uses the word patient. And both are are very good uh, for our understanding. He should be kind and caring, even to those who make this difficult. Is an elder going to deal with difficult people? Most definitely. Even Christians, even members of the church, even brothers and sisters in Christ, believe it or not, will make the office of an elder difficult at times by their attitudes, by their expression of emotions, by the things that they lay on his shoulders. Uh, You know, we can be a burden to elders. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a moment. But he should be gentle in all situations, always kind and caring to those he is dealing with, to those who he is leading. He should not be quarrelsome. Uh, again, this is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3. Looking at other versions, the American Standard Version uses the words not contentious. And the New American Standard Bible uses the word peaceable. He should be peaceable, making it a positive qualification rather than a negative, rather than a a he should not. He is one who seeks to avoid argument, always striving for peace. Not that he should avoid standing for the truth. There may be times where he needs to adamantly stand for the truth. If someone is teaching error, He needs to be uh, of a mindset and of an attitude that he will stand against that, that he will teach against that, and that he will make sure that no one is led astray into error. He cannot avoid standing for the truth. Is that going to cause friction? Absolutely. But it, it is one of those situations where being peaceable is going to be very difficult, and he still needs to be willing and able to stand for the truth regardless. So he doesn't seek uh, quarrels. He doesn't seek arguments and things of that nature. He strives for peace in all of his dealings, although sometimes that may not be completely possible, and he needs to be willing to stand for the truth in those situations. He is not covetous. We we talked about not being greedy for money, but he is not covetous. This goes back even as far as the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17, Exodus 20 and verse 17, 
You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. And the elder is going to stand in the the highest quality in regard to this qualification. All Christians should avoid covetousness. We should not desire the things that belong to others to the point that we want them, to the point that we are willing to take them. Um, But even the lust after such is wrong. We cannot be given to those types of attitudes, and neither can an elder. It is something that should not be within the character of any Christian, but especially a leader in the church. And again, we return to this idea of his home life. We go back to his marriage, that he is to be the husband of only one wife. Not multiple wives, and he cannot be a wife. Uh, that, that excludes women in serving as elders. And we have to honor that authority. It's not about uh, excluding women. It's not about uh, saying that they can't do this or that. But it's about following the qualifications that God has given. God wants men to step up into their role of leading not only the house, not only the home, but also in the church. God wants men to be leaders. He wants them to step up, and they should be willing to do so. They should desire that office. Anyone who does desires a very good work. Now, as we look at the home, he is to be a leader in his home. He is one who rules his own house well. He makes good decisions. He leads his children and they follow in submission. He is one who manages his own household well, is the way the New American Standard puts it. So his children are to be willing to submit to the authority of him as a father as a leader within the home. Titus adds this detail, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. In other words, his children, they should be honest, especially in regard to money and respect of authority. He is able to rule his own house well. And we have in parentheses, at least in the the New King James Version, that a man who is unable, who is unable to have control of his own home, has no business leading the church. And I think that's a very good point. If he cannot rule his own house well, how can he lead the church well? He's not going to be able to do it. He's not going to have the proper standing. In the eyes of others, he's not going to to have the proper example. Uh, he's not going to be one that that the church, that members of the church are going to look up to and be willing to submit to his authority. In order to lead, he cannot be a novice 
not a new convert is the way the New American Standard Bible puts it. This is from verse 6 of chapter 3. Should he be a new convert or a novice, a rookie, if you will, it is more likely that he will become prideful or conceited in regard to his leadership. And in doing so, he will fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Now, what is the condemnation of the devil? The way that Lipscomb suggests this from his own commentary on the subject, he suggests that it is the temptation of the devil and the man who is prideful will fall to his temptations. And a man who is leading, he cannot fall to temptation easily. Will he? Yes, but not easily. It shouldn't be something that, that he automatically falls into. It's something that he should avoid, something that he should seek to avoid. And how does Satan's pride condemn him? Uh, again, if, if he falls into temptation, then he is not setting a, a good example for the flock, and he's not leading in the right way. So it's important that he not be a novice, not a new convert. He needs to be a seasoned Christian and well able to serve in that regard. He must have a good testimony with those who are outside, a good report, a good reputation. And who are those outside? Those in the world, those in the workplace, those that he comes in contact with that are not Christians. He needs to have a good testimony with them in order to also have a good testimony with the church. And why must he have a good reputation among them? Anyone that does not have a good reputation in the world, people are not going to look up to his leadership. They're not going to look at him as a good example of a Christian. And that's going to counteract anything that he does that is good. Um, I've heard stories of elders who who have had bad tempers, those who have used language that is not fitting of a Christian, and they do not set a good example for those in the world. And in spite of my confidence to actually finish this lesson, we still have not finished this lesson. And that's okay, because we have gone through some great detail in, in re regard to the qualifications that we've been looking at. And I look forward to uh, continuing this study with you, Lord willing, next week. I hope that you'll be back with us next week, Tuesday at 11 a.m. Uh, but I do thank you for being with me today. I thank you for being with me anytime that you have the opportunity, and I hope to be back with you again next week, Lord willing, for another portion of According to the Scriptures. If you need to contact us, go to our website, www.marsillcoc.org. We'll be glad to hear from you, and until we meet again, may God bless you.